it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. handling gloves kids hello and welcome to horror movie talk plus that's right folks we changed our name with with one uh symbol and that's it uh we've transcended genre boundaries and now sometimes cover other movies cool movies slick movies uh make sure you rate and review and subscribe on itunes uh toss us some nice words that would be that would be nice of you full avail full video available on youtube don't be a square. Make sure to share. Also, check out patreon.com slash horror movie talk, the equivalent of the adult section at your video rental store. You remember those, right? You're super old. If you want to add your P to the community pool, call us at 682-253-4468. Get on the show. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. As always, we have Fart Simpson crammed into the production booth, and I'm me, David Day. And across the state of the wide, wonderful state of Washington sits my partner, Bryce Hansen. Say hello, Bryce. Hello. We have a fabulous show for you today. Fabulous. Uh, we will be reviewing Asteroid City. That's right. This is a Wes Anderson, the latest Wes Anderson film. We'll start out by giving a brief review and our score for the movie. I think uh, this one's available on Peacock right now for free. I'm not sure. I saw it in the movie theater. <laughs> a little thing you might have heard of. We score on a scale of 1 to 10. We uh, After we score it. We'll get into spoilers, take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. And later in this episode, we will be taking your calls again at 682-253-4468. See what you got to say about all kinds of silly shit. Uh, Wes Anderson has made a new film. That's right. Just like the old films. And you'll probably chuckle at it and be delighted like the smug little shit that you are. Um, we follow 
In this movie, in Asteroid City, we follow the narrative of a writer who is writing a play in real time as though the play is happening in real life. If that sounds confusing, it is. The characters in the play find themselves in a remote desert location called Asteroid City for a young scientist's competition and stargazing event. Already it sounds like a Wes Anderson film. That's just kind of the first, the second sentence. Um, all the characters are tragically human and simultane simultaneously completely devoid of expressive human emotion. An alien shows up and blows everyone's mind, but not so much that it changes the trajectory of anyone but a single boy's life or mind. Life is weird and complicated. Shrug shoulders and ex expressively, uh, uh, you know, do the thing. Um, my review for Asteroid City goes... I can honestly say that Asteroid City is uh, exactly as worthwhile and fun and interesting as any of Wes Anderson's catalog of films. Sometimes it's, uh, it's nice to feel the wind in your hair, and that's exactly what I get when I start any Wes Anderson movie except for the Darjeeling Limited, which I hate without reason. Um, Asteroid City is a bombshell full of A-list actors, incredibly lit scenes, and emotionless emotion. It has fun dialogue and lots of interesting eye candy to keep you entertained. In fact, Asteroid City kind of understands the medium of film so well that it's almost perfect in its execution. Uh, that is to say, a film meant to be interesting, a film is meant to be interesting to look at with dialogue and concepts to stir the mind and characters who evoke impressive emotion within the watcher. I have a few little critiques of it. Uh, I will say that some of the dialogue is delivered so quickly and with so little difference in inflection that I often found myself not knowing what had just been said. Um, it was it could just be my old ears, but it was hard for me to keep up with a lot of the dialogue. And also the movie theater I was in did not have great sound. Hmm. Um, also, it's hard to care too much about some of the main characters for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's divulged that the story of Asteroid City is a play that's being written by another main character. And kind of this level of extraction seemed overly complicated and a little bit unnecessary to the story. The same effect could have been achieved with some inner monologue or something like that. Um, second is the story is spread among so many characters that few receive enough screen time individually to make me care too much about any of them. These are kind of minor sins, so it's not like a big deal. And it's a, otherwise a, a fun and funny exploration of the human condition by the world's most symmetrical film director. <laughs> I give this a 9 out of 10. What do you think, Bryce Tholomew? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's Wes Anderson's best. Like, there's, there's ones that... Um... I don't think it's his best either, no. Like, I I don't agree with the, like, it's as good as, like, pretty much anything LT does. Like, there's there's a certain level of quality, sure, that he brings to everything. But, like, in terms of, like, engagement and entertainment value, um, like, I've got kind of the, the pinnacle for me is is probably, um, what is it, the Hotel Bucharest? Bucharest Hotel? Budapest. Uh, Budapest. Um Grand Budapest Hotel. That's it. You got it. Um, For me, it's Moonlight Kingdom. Moonlight Kingdom, Royal Tenenbaums, and um, the the Life Aquatic are like the ones that I think of are like just masterpieces. 
Wow, really, really shiny on my dome right now. That's that sun. Oh, that's a star coming in through the window. Um, it's like a little less. Um, I mean, Wes Anderson's movies are all pretty cold in terms of like, um, emotional realism. (laughs) You know, it's like he has a style, and this one's this one's a little more with the added. Um, separation of like the kind of the meta narrative of like just the the format of the of the movie which is it starts out saying like this movie is about a production and so anytime that we see anything in color it's actually a film representation of a stage production which is weird yeah and then it cuts back to the black and white and it's the kind of the making of the stage production which is ironic because like you never actually see the staged production being performed like you just get little glimpses of a stage with the with the set and some of the actors like walking off of it but it's some weird attempt at building a fifth wall (laughs) it's 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 very much it's yeah i mean i look at it as like wes anderson's attempt to kind of uh dip his toes in like a philip kaufman type script where it's yeah um it's layers upon layers of like narrative devices and then um but the thing that's missing is like you know kind of the point (laughs) of the movie (laughs) like i don't there's not like a real strong like uh perspective or lesson learned necessarily in the movie it's more uh it's more of like a platform for the surrealness of everyday life you know and and uh just human interaction but uh it is really good i'd i'd give it like i wouldn't it's not a strong recommend for me um i'd give it like a six or seven Probably just because I like Anderson, I'd, I'd lean towards seven. See, I don't know. I think, um, I mean, it sounds like we agree pretty much across the board about a lot of the stuff. Um, I think uh, I think the, the... I tried real hard throughout to be like, what's the point? What's the point? You know, um, and... Uh, and I did find some uh, something that I would kind of hearken to that um, in in that meta narrative that he he throws in with the you know with the fifth wall or whatever this we shall call this um, stage production and then the return to quote unquote normal life. Um, I found a little bit of something, something in there, but you know, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's as much, there's as, yeah, I do feel like, I do feel like it's as much an interesting film as any of his good films. Um, I really just, I don't know why I hate the Darjeeling limited, but God, I started that movie and it was just, and Carrie and I both looked at each other and were like, what the fuck is this? This is stupid. And I like, that's the only Wes Anderson movie I've just turned off out of rage and just been like, what the fuck? And then. 
Yeah, I, I've never, I've still never seen that one. I think the the French Connection or French Dispatch, um, his last movie, like I literally just fell asleep in the theater. Like I couldn't. It's 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 good. It's it's kind of like similar to this one is that there's just a lot of vignettes. Like the yeah. the French Dispatch was definitely a kind of a. Uh, what do you call it? Like an anthology movie, like mm. lots of lots of different stories and and formats, and which was interesting. But some were much more interesting than others, and so you know your mileage may vary. Um, yeah, I think in terms of like Asteroid City, for like the takeaways of like, or what is the the theme, or or like the you know, lesson learned or the moral to the story or whatever. Like there's, there's two moments that kind of, yeah. Um, set that up. There's one that's like just the intro of, you know, um, Brian Cranston being the Rod Sterling type that's entering the whole thing, which is like, this is, uh, I can't even remember what he says. Um, maybe I can find an IM on IMDB, but it's basically like, this is all fake. Like this is, you know, a construction of, you know, fiction and and all this all this stuff and like setting up the the format of like this is a story of a playwright writing a play and and getting it produced on stage. But it's really not about that. And then the second time uh is when the yeah kind of the internal fourth wall is broken where uh jason what's his name schwartzman jason schwartzman walks off set and asks um the the playwright or the producer like am i doing it right and that's like probably the most revealing scene of the movie where it's literally like we're seeing like everything in color and is like the projection of a performance and and so it's kind of uh, um it's a stand in for the projection that everyone has in real life. Like everyone's putting forth a, a performance of themselves. And then when it pulls back and it goes back into the, you know, quote unquote real world of the stage production. And we see like the background. Um, and Jason Schwartzman is asking like, if he's doing it good enough, it's more indicative of just the insecurity that people feel in their performance of life. That's, that's how I interpreted it. It's, it's kind of a, like nothing in the, the film is portrayed as depicting reality, but in so doing it's, it's the stand in for reality. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, so that was, uh, so the Brian Cranston one didn't hit me, um, in any meaningful way, but definitely the, uh, the Schwartzman one did. Uh, that was one of my two, the, the, um, I think I'll, I'll get into the other one that, that struck me as 
significant uh, in the spoiler section. But um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think um, I think it. I think it's a worthwhile. Would you Would you say it's a worthwhile uh, film to you know pull up on uh, on Peacock and check out? Yeah, if you're a Wes Anderson fan, like see it. Um, it is star studded. It is star studded. I mean, you're gonna get. It's like you get all these stars, but really, what you're getting is a Wes Anderson movie performance, which is. Mm-hmm. very stylized and and kind of on the surface stilted but you get a lot of like um really dry humor excellently executed from that from that um style yeah but yeah definitely. i mean i'd i'd say yeah if you're a wes anderson fan definitely see it um if you You know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not like a strong recommend for everyone, but like if you like indie films or you just want to see something, you know, um, that's visually unique, definitely any Wes Anderson movie, you should go check it out. Is Wes Anderson indie considered indie? Is this an indie production? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, really? it, what does it take to be an independent production? I, I don't know. Fair. Um, well, you know, guys, what's up? What's up? I'll tell you exactly what's up. It's it is. That's right. And that means it's time for us to yell advertisements in your ears. Unless, unless you're a smart person and you go to patreon.com slash horror movie talk, pay us a couple of ducats over there. The price of one cup of coffee per month will get you commercial-free, uh, you know, uh, horror movie talk. And, uh, and you know, the Afterpod and a bunch of other digital perks dating back fucking years. Maybe a, almost a half a decade. Wow. So much stuff. Lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff. Um, and you know, and it helps us out too. And we sure do appreciate it. You can uh, also help us out by heading over to our shop at horrormovietalk.com slash shop. Uh, if you like the artwork on any of these episodes, you can, uh, you can go over to, uh, Dustin Goebel's Instagram at dgoebel00. That's at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0 on Instagram and tell him, Hey, I appreciate what you do. I think it's pretty cool. And, um, you know. Yeah, throw so throw some of that uh, big dick love around, and uh, and he'll appreciate it because he um, is you know a professional artist who fucks hard. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, call six eight two two five three four four six eight. Thanks again for listening, and let's get into let's get into spoilers. <laughs> Wow. I don't, you know, there's something about uh, Wes Anderson movies, Bryce. <laughs> something about them. I think that's fair to say. That Having said nothing, uh, I do think it's extremely fair to say about Wes Anderson movies. You get uh, insane 
shots that shouldn't be they're they're just not they're just not possible really you know in any you've never seen them on film really except for in Wes Anderson movies you've never seen them in real life except for rarely uh under extreme lighting conditions and circumstances where um everything somehow becomes perfectly symmetrical like that there's there are little moments you know and, and i mean to drive this point home there's a whole subreddit called accidental wes anderson where people take pictures of of shots that are just just perfectly uh wes anderson-y and uh and i think that's i think that's cool enough um to you know to hang your hat on as a director to be so in a niche that uh that just by looking at a shot you can go oh that's either wes anderson or influenced heavily by wes anderson um oh here we go is that what's happening now accidental wes anderson here we go yeah oh there you go Head yeah, on over it's to very much very YouTube much a channel style. yeah i mean it's not uh, it's not unique to wes anderson to have like a symmetrical you know, kind of, <laughs> yeah, lighthouse, go back up. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I mean, it's not unique to Wes Anderson to have like a symmetrical, um, kind of artificial style, but he's definitely has a very strong aesthetic with with his movies and has cemented himself as wait, that go, guy. Wait, go back. That one was so cool. Oh, whoa. Okay, so there's a bridge. Okay, so YouTube. Our YouTube channel, well, you can see what we're looking at. This is so cool. There's this house on an island in, I'm assuming, you know, Minnesota or something like that, uh, that has, like, a boardwalk out to the island and uh, and pictures of the house in all the different seasons. And in the winter, the lake is frozen over with snow all over it, but the boardwalk is also it's, – it's a – man – Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I'm surprised Wes Anderson hasn't, like, based an entire movie around that. <laughs> the debut of North Korea's new tactical nuclear attack submarine. This is... <laughs> Man, yeah, some of these are so, so good. Pretzel, um, <laughs> just the sign pretzel. That's right. all. I mean, it is. It's perfectly Wes Anderson. It doesn't say anything but the word pretzel. Right. And that's that's this town. Uh, this town, Asteroid City, is an interesting uh, place and Jesus. one. 
Oh wow! Look at all that star starlight. It's uh, over here. It's not the Moonrise Kingdom. It's the Star Rise Kingdom in Bryce's house. Um, anywho, so yeah, this town asteroids. You know, first uh, as Bryce mentioned in the uh, in the review. Uh, Brian Cranston comes on screen and he kind of introduces the concept of the movie, which is fine. I don't know. Um, again, I'm just not a huge fan of this extra dimension of the movie. I don't feel it's necessary. or, or But uh, it, it's there. So, And it's got Brian Cranston and Edward Norton in it. Uh, and Edward Norton is the writer of the play that we're watching that is Asteroid City. And um, and so we kind of get that, and then you're dropped into the action. So so it's, it's a little bit... It fucks with your head a little bit because there's three levels of, like, kind of, like, narr- narrative, like, going just, like, just in the first minute or two of this movie... Where you're just where you you're constantly you know when you start a movie you're kind of like trying to find your bearing in the uh-huh. movie you're like where are we what are we doing what's happening who is what who is this and so the first person you get is Brian Cranston and he's talking directly to you through the fourth wall the audience and he's like this is the thing that is happening in this next scene and then we get Edward Norton who's like you know writing the play and then and it's all black and white and so you're. Again, you're like, whoa, okay, wait. I just got used to Brian Cranston, and then you get Edward Norton, and you're like, okay. And then you get dropped into this, you know, the Wes Anderson place, uh, which is Asteroid City, and the desert being the most Wes West Anderson setting a- ever conceived because it is, by nature, much more symmetrical and interesting to look at than a lot of more busier backdrops. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting because the setup is it talks about the the stage production of the play and so they're describing you know whatever whatever it is in a script in like a play script where it says like this is what you need on stage. It's like okay, you've got a one pump gas station and then it pans the the camera over and it shows like a little yeah, you know, gas, you know, pump on the corner of the stage and it's like, and then you need an overpass that goes to not to nothing, just yeah. permanent, cl- permanently closed. And it pans over and sees this and it describes the mountains in the distance. And you see like, you know, the, the painted cardboard or, or like plywood on the stage of, of the, the show. And then it cuts to this, yeah, the Wes Anderson world of uh, Asteroid City, like the film version, and it has all of that stuff to where on stage it's all representational. It's like, you know, we we, we have this little plywood cutout, you know, to represent a gas station. Yeah. And then you go into this, you know, quote-unquote real-life looking thing, but it's also in real life everything just feels super, super sparse. Like it's like someone was coloring a, a, a city like a, a small yeah. town and then just didn't finish you know halfway through and uh and so like yeah the setting of the desert it makes it feel more like it makes more sense like there is you know ghost towns and kind of just weird single 
building enclaves in the middle of the desert along the highway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the whole, the format of like having the, the story being the story of the creation of a play while showing a representation of the play and film is all, it all has a point. Like, Oh yeah. I, I think like it's, it's your it's, inner monologue or something yeah, like that. It's it's all like that's like where the puzzle is. And I think what he's done in this movie is Okay, if you look at his movies before and you know there will be the aspect or the veneer of like a normal story, you know. Stuff is going on like the the film shows like a story, but it feels so weird because the characters feel like very artificial and flat and they're the script shows like very strong emotions and like situations, like very complicated, like, yeah. Um, uh, interpersonal drama. Yeah. But everyone's completely played flat. It's all played flat and Mm -hmm. very, very, very dry. And so, it's the dialogue and the acting is representational of the actual drama that would that is portraying that could happen in real life and uh and he's basically taken that phenomenon of of his writing and like the the style of acting that he directs and duplicated that with the visuals <laughs> Because it's like mm-hmm. the the film or like the the colored parts is it's all representational and you have to like do that extra level of interpretation of like what is what would this actually mean in real life or what does this actually represent um, about the internal world of this story and like the internal world is the production you know it's a it's a stage play. And so there's a lot of background stuff where you kind of fill in of the neuroses of the actors, the neuroses of the of the playwright, the and the drama of like putting on the production. All you know, you know, it's all the subtext of what you're seeing in the movie <laughs> and then it cuts back and forth. So it's I don't know, it's it's a it's an interesting layer to me, but also it's, it's all, it's all, it all, you know, with Anderson movies, it feels very academic and it feels very, very dry. So it's not super engaging, but for me, there's little moments that like really tickle me that either have like visual jokes or, or just like one-off dialogue jokes that can only land as well as, as they do if they're in a Wes Anderson movie. Um, yeah, I think, um, a lot of it, to me, the way more, uh, more of these stylized Wes Anderson movies, cause you, like you said, you know, like Rushmore or Life Aquatic, uh, to a degree, they're, they're a little bit more free in the, in the visual aspect, you know, it's a little bit more, you know, he's kind of finding his, finding his visual style, um, but uh but in these 
you know, he the in, you know, in these more recent ones, Darjeeling and Grand Budapest and, you know, Moonlight and this one, um, they've kind of locked in. But to me, all of them feel a little bit like like someone who uh, was raised to not express emotions, uh, like their portrayal of the world that's swimming around them constantly. You know, like it's it's an attempt to control for like, look, everything I, I put forward is controlled. Like I like I do, you know, this isn't me. This is obviously Wes Anderson. It's like I just imagine him as being a very stoic, controlled, not expressive person. And then he has the confusion of life swimming around him. And so in his art, it seems like the attempt is here is my best attempt at like cleaning it up and yet also portraying all the messiness. Uh, so like this is how my mind works is all, is all this like emotionless like emotion that's uh, you know, that's it, it has to come out. But it. It, I don't want it to come out, but it has to because that's the, unfortunately where we live. Like it can't all be white, p- perfectly straight white picket fences, and 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 pecks on the and pecks on the cheek uh, as I go off to work and wave like this. You know, it's it's uh, it has to be messy. So this is my portrayal at expressing a messy uh, thing. Um, that is life. But uh, but anyway, I, I, I it's it's fucking cool is what it is. And it's like, I mean, he really, really, really gets the 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 medium of film, you know, like you, my, I'd throw Michael Bay out the window every time over Wes Anderson, you know, still not entirely knowing who Michael Bay is or what he does. Um, other than I think Transformers. Okay, good. Okay. Anyway, so we get into the desert, and uh, and yeah, this place is just quirky. Oh, and you know what? Another thing about this movie is it does help to see it with an audience. So I get to this theater, and it's the last night that they're showing this, and as such, like ev like it was a is a very small theater, but it was pretty packed. Like it was full of people, but they were all insufferable. Uh, smug, and then uh, and I'm sitting there like, look at all these smug and sufferable kids, and then I'm like, oh, I'm here, yeah, uh, and uh, and so you have to deal with that. You have to kind of reckon yourself a little bit, uh, but you know they all de- were delighted by it, and it, they were all having a very good time, and and hearing the laughter, it, it's so weird to me uh, how laughter in theaters works because I'm always off. I'm always I'm never laughing at the spots that other people are laughing at uh which I don't I don't know if that's good or bad but uh it does it does put me off a little bit. I'm like what the fuck is wrong with me? You know where it'll I'll just this theater will be silent and I'll be like ha! <laughs> anyway. Um uh, so why does, uh, why, why would you say, why do you think Anderson, uh, Wes Anderson uses, uh, Schwartzman for everything? Jason Schwartzman. He's been in all of them. Well, he, he's got like a, 
you know, a cohort core cohort of oh, yeah. actors that he uses in everything. Like, oh yeah. Uh, Bill Murray, Jason Schwartzman have been with him since the very beginning. Uh-huh. Um, apparently Bill Murray was supposed to be the, um, Tom Hanks, Steve Carell character. Oh, uh, the the hotel. I'm glad he attendant. wasn't because Steve Carell is. Yeah, Steve Carell was was perfect in that. Perfect. But, yeah, I mean Jason Schwartzman, um, Edward Norton has also been in a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, Schwartzman is the only. Well, apart from maybe the man who we can't name without having an absolute fucking bonkers conniption fit on this show every time he's named. Uh, there has to be like a six minute interlude of a big long song and dance. Um, anyway, uh, he's in Darjeeling Limited and uh, and a few other ones. But uh, but Jason Schwartzman seems to be like almost like exclusively Wes Anderson. Like he doesn't even do other things. I mean, I know he does do other things, but it's like is is Anderson at the helm? No, nah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I mean, okay. he's in other things, but I mean, it's it's he's definitely more known for the Wes Anderson movies. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think probably Bill. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a battle between Bill Murray and uh, and uh, uh, Jason, who who has been in more. But I think Bill Murray might eke him out a little bit. Really? Are you sure it's not uh, not the it, fellow I'm thinking of? It used to be um, Owen Wilson, like, and I think oh, Owen Wilson yeah. kind of had a little bit of falling out with him. Oh, um, do you think so? You think Owen Wilson can't can't hang anymore? I mean, he's not in any of the recent ones that I can think of. Um, but he used to be like he used to co-write. Like all all these movies with him, Owen Wilson and I think and Wes Owen Anderson. Will, I think Owen Wilson had a uh, he had a uh, a suicide attempt, and I think he, <laughs> when he when he did that, he seemed to drop off of a lot of radars. Um, yeah, what was that? That uh, what was all that about Bryce? Yeah, Why did he do know. that? I don't know. Yeah, I think okay. so. Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, we're all co-written with with Owen Wilson. Um, those are all like the first movies. I don't think after that he he co-wrote anything. So you're right. Bill Murray has been in nine Wes Anderson movies. Um, but uh, I don't. Oh no, that's a that's a pretty recent article. That's as of June of this year. But uh, let's see, let's see here. Uh, Jason Schwartzman has been in eight. Owen Wilson has been in seven. And then uh, the uh, the guy, Adrian Brody, he's been in five. Um, never heard of him. You never heard of uh-uh. Adrian Brody? No. Yeah. Let me look him up. Oh, okay. And then uh, Angelica Houston has also been in five. And then we got a bunch of people who've been in five. Bob Balaban, Edward Norton's been in five. We got uh, Tilda Swinton. Oh, Willem Dafoe's been in five. Willem Dafoe was in this um, with, for just a minute. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, no, what's I happening? Think I, I oh, think I found no. It. Oh, we did it. One of the things specifically that they said they hated was the six-minute needle drops, I think is what they, they called it. I don't know what they're talking about, but it might have something to do with Brody Quest. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to not play Adrian Brody? Well, I have to go pee. <laughs> I suggest everyone else do the same. I gotta sync up with Adrian. Wes Anderson should do. Wes Anderson should do a feature length adaptation of Brody Quest.
Well, you said you were hungry, Carly. I don't think it's a squirrel. It's a mink. It's a mink. <laughs> really? How do you know? <laughs> it's a mink. <laughs> In medical school, they make you work on animal cadavers before you get to the real thing. It's a mink. It's a mink. It's a mink. So, anyways. Uh, so, anyway, um, yeah, so there, there's your. Uh, you, Bryce was right. Uh, Bryce called it. Uh, that's a. That's a fucking callback right there. Holy shit. That's been a while. Um, so, uh, uh, so in Asteroid City, we get uh, we get a few things that uh, that kind of th- this is this is this is kind of one of my little breakthrough moments with this movie was at the start. There, uh, you know, they they roll up to this Asteroid City, or I should say, Jason Schwartzman and his children. He has it seems like triplet girls, but not exactly trip. There's just three little girls. And then, mm-hmm. and then a, uh, a, a tween or teen, uh, boy with maybe the biggest nose I've ever seen on any person in the entire world. Um, and, uh, but he's a great actor and he looks like Jason Schwartzman's kid. So bravo. Good, good casting. I feel like I've seen him in other things before too. Anyway. Um, so he rolls up to this city and the introduction of this city is like an atom bomb goes off in the background. It's like, what the fuck was that? And they're like, oh, they're testing atom bombs in the desert. It's like, Jesus Christ. And then. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Like a police car, a police car chasing robbers in a active police chase shootout comes straight down the strip, uh, off into the distance. And so... Which is never explained. W- well, it's not explained, but uh, but it's it's it's. We'll get there's no back payoff to... for it, really. Oh, there's payoff. Like, and this is this is the this is the thing about uh, so. But I can't really t- I can't really talk about the my kind of like moment where I was like, oh, I kind of see what this was saying until towards the end. Um, but anyway, uh, but it's just speculation. Um, Anywho, so so that happens to kind of set the scenes of what this city is, and then you kind of get Steve Carell, who basically owns the whole of Asteroid City, with the exception of the uh, garage, you know, the um, the the gas station. Although he might don't, I think he talked about the gas station a little bit too. Anyway, Steve Carell is this one or two line guy who explains the city. He's like, I understand. Thank you. Um, and then, which is like a very service industry response to every single question, concern, 
uh, inquiry at all. Uh, anybody says anything and Steve Carell just like, I understand. Thank you. Let me explain to you. So the wet thing this is, and he's kind of automated this whole city into like pay machines, like, like, a, you know, remember cigarette machines. And then obviously everybody knows about like, um, soft drink dispensers. Well, imagine those, but lined up in like to 40 or 50 machines mm -hmm. and they cover the range of everyone's needs in the city. So he's like very cheap, very automated the needs of anybody who might stop by or stay in this little asteroid city he's got going on. And uh and it's kind of uh you know it's it's the reason for everyone being in asteroid city is uh, kind of like a young scientists competition sort of thing. So um, Scarlett Johansson has her daughter there and her daughter's one of the young scientists. And then there's two, two, no, there's five young scientists in total. And, um, and they compete with each other with all these fucking astronomical inventions that they've made. Um, and this is, I would say the, the, the story of these kids, or, or at least the story of Jason Schwartzman and his oldest son and Scarlett Johansson and her oldest daughter, I would say that's plot A. Would you, would you agree with that statement? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but there are so many plots. There's plot B, C, D, E, and probably F, like, running through this whole thing as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah, that's the main, like, and it's not much of a plot either. It's literally, they meet each other and kind of fall in love. Yeah. Both sets. Y yes. That's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. And, and it's kind of interesting, the... Okay, now see now it's hitting me how much more interesting that is, like to, at least to talk about, um, because okay, so you so you have Jason Schwartzman and he's seen some shit, and he's had life, you know, kick him in the balls a couple times, you know, he's a he's a um, wartime photographer, so so he has seen and cataloged all of the worst human atrocities in that that life has to throw at you uh, as his job and then 3 weeks ago his wife just died um and he he hasn't told his kids yet except for like once they get to the city um and then he's like so kids your mother died 3 weeks ago and they're like you telling us our mother died 3 weeks ago and he's like mhm mm and they're like oh jeez boy yeah that's rough so you have Jason Schwartzman who's seen a lot of shit and then you have his son who's like you know, uh, hasn't uh, hasn't been deadened to the, the 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 roughness of the world yet. And then the same thing is mirrored over here with Scarlett Johansson, who has had you know who has been a battered uh, woman who has only been used for her looks because I think she's an actress or something like that. And um, and so they're kind of dead to the world and uh, and the stuff that happens inside it. And their kids are kind of, you know, not deadened to the world yet and uh, and still, you know, 
able to like fall in love and be kind of people, <laughs> which is uh, wow. It's a uh, it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition. I don't know. Do you have any anything going on with that? Um, you lost me. <laughs> Did I? A little bit. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's all yeah. The 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 kind of distance between the main characters is like Jason Schwartzman's character is yeah. He's seen shit, and so he's like kind of got like the representational PTSD kind of thing, and then. Scarlett Johansson is is the the Hollywood actress, which is you know has all the um, trauma around having to represent yourself in a certain way, and and yeah, it's kind of a match made in heaven where they're all just kind of going through the motions. Um. So. Uh... I don't know. I, did you have this problem that I had where um, uh, the dialogue was hard to understand? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I was probably watching it with subtitles on, so that probably helps, you know, watch it on Peacock. Mm. Yeah, it would help. Oh, and then and then we get a uh, we get a shot of Scarlett Johansson full frontal, I think. Was it full frontal or was it just boobs? Uh, it was full frontal, but I think that wasn't Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they even if it was, it was backwards and very, it was backwards in a mirror and very fast. Yeah, um, it was a little blurry. I paused and tried to look really close and I couldn't see anything. Mm. Um, Which so, is weird that she'd use a, a, a double because she's been nude in other movies before. What makes yeah. you say it's her double? Because it says in IMDb. Oh. It said, Scarlett Johansson said she had no problem using a body double to film her full frontal nude scene. However, she said it was awkward for Wes Anderson to direct it. I have no no problem not doing a thing, obviously. Right. Not doing a thing is very easy. Um, so, I, I guess there's... Um, so, you know, we, we all come here for the uh, science fair competition, but... Uh, you know, we end up. Uh, you know, there's also a stargazing event, and uh, and so you know we're you know this very fake made up thing is going to happen where you get to see these kind of three stars align and um, and they all have boxes on their heads and all this baloney and and they get to you know they get to see this uh, this goofy thing happen, uh, but in the middle in the midst of that a an alien shows up. And kind of throws everyone's world and it throws this whole uh, whole thing into a, a big tizzy, uh, which is, you know, which which is like blowing everyone's mind. You know, the world changes for a minute because for but just for a minute, um, because it's localized in this one place. There's photographic evidence. A, a lot of people have um, witnessed this. And. Um, and uh, and so, you know, uh it's 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 a minute that changes the course of events for all these characters and um and some to a greater degree than others but most importantly it locks down this city and things kind of stop 
you know, everyone is forced to continue their life, but in Asteroid City because they're quarantined. They're kept in this spot um, and for, I think, a week. And uh, and the younger people seem to be very, you know, affected by this, you know. Uh, Jason Schwartzman's kids like, oh my God, what does this mean? It's so crazy. Oh, can you believe it? And he turns to his dad, and his dad's like, yeah, I took a picture of it. Of course, like what? Like yeah, but what next? And um, and same with Scarlett Johansson. Mm. She's like, yeah, huh? Yeah, okay, great. So there's aliens, and um, but but the kind of the beautiful thing of that, the the consequence, the the one of the beautiful consequences of that. Is that for this week nothing happens really? Um, things is, are kind of stopped. They're kind of in a sort of weird stasis, and no bad things happen during that period. Um, and then once, as soon as the quarantine is lifted, an atom bomb goes off in the background, and the police chase goes through the town again. And this is the thing that made me go, oh, <laughs> which is. They all took for granted this time that they were forced to sit together and, like, experience life in peace as being the bad moment when the <laughs> when the scary shit that happens resumes immediately upon the, you know, the, the cessation of the quarantine. You know, it's hmm. like, quarantine's over, atom bomb in the background, <laughs> big mushroom cloud, cops and robbers, <laughs> it's like... Oh, this is the scary shit. Like, the scary shit isn't the alien who showed up to literally just categorize an asteroid or a meteorite or whatever this thing is. <laughs> he showed up, picks up this little meteorite, and then goes back up into his spaceship and flies away. And then he comes back, and he puts it back down, and there's, like, a number on it <laughs> or something. Yeah, and, uh, that scene, I mean, it's in terms of, like, the importance of the movie, <laughs> like, it's it's shocking how little the movie is about that um but that scene is one of the one of the best scenes just because the alien looks so awkward it's like the the stop motion but it's just like um <laughs> yeah just slowly moving like um yoink and it just takes the asteroid because I, I i don't think we even mentioned like the whole city is built around this asteroid that that impacted and created this crater, and it's like the the whole purpose of the town is basically to study or to celebrate this asteroid, and then the alien comes and just takes it and flies away. Yeah. So you're like, like well, now we had this dumb thing of, that our city was named after, of, but this much more momentous occasion just happened, but it also has no impact on anything, and right. no one answers no questions. And then it just comes back and and lightly places it back, you know, and then leaves. What, yeah, and and the questions don't change. You know, the questions before the alien are what, like, what's the meaning of life? Like, what is all that? Like, how do we, like, how do we explore the universe? What, we, what kind of science can push us forward? And then the alien happens, and they're like, "Holy shit, this might answer all the questions." Oh my god, what the fuck? Uh, oh my god! And then the alien comes back, puts the asteroid back, and they're like, "Oh shit, I still have all the same questions." <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. 
which is to say it's all absurd and fun and just enjoy the ride, you know, kind of like yeah. Be fall in love with a, with another nerd or, you know, uh find find that Lego piece that uh, that stubs your toe just right. Um yeah. I love the I don't know if you caught it, but like the opening credits it lists, you know, it, with the train coming in and it lists like all the the actors and stuff. Did you catch that like the final credit was was uh <clears throat> Jeff Goldblum as the alien? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like it's like so oh. it throws out there, yeah. Yeah, it throws like, out the Jeff Goldblum's the alien and then the alien comes and it's just like a claymation alien, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Which is hilarious. And then like it cuts to the black and white production of the play and you we it goes behind the curtain then you get and to see Jeff. Jeff Goldblum is just sitting there like with his alien helmet off and he's like yeah, yeah. just talking about playing the alien for just half a second he's, yeah. he's in the film for like probably 5 seconds but he <laughs> is the alien you know yeah um yeah there is uh it's it's pretty great uh i mean I really there's there's so much to you know in all of Wes Anderson's films there's so many little things to fall in love with and I mean it's why all the smug little you know audience members me included showed up because it's like <laughs> you know the three little girls of Jason Schwartzman's are act like little witches and they're like no oh, put our mother's ashes back and Tom Hanks is like I don't like I don't want to, you know. Tom Hanks is is the father of the of the wife that died, so he's you know he's here to take the the three little girls, take them back to home. While, but um, I don't. Anyway, so in the end, oh, and and also Margot Robbie's in this, like <laughs> Loki, and heaving chest, you know, really corseted all the way up to the absolute absolute tip-top maximum of what those those boobs can do um and uh yeah so that's uh that's in there too um and then you know there's some weird kind of cult cult-like stuff but uh but 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 which is you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep and um and i kind of took that to, so there's a moment where everyone all the characters kind of chant you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. And I don't know. There's a lot of reading into that that you can do. Um, and I did, um, which is, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So the play is kind of like the dream that you have to, you have to have of, of peace um, that, you know, uh, that uh, will equip you for when you wake up and life starts happening again you know atom bombs start going off in the background and that kind of thing but i don't know did any of that strike you significantly or were you kind of checked out or yeah i mean i couldn't really interpret that line it like it seemed like the the setup to it was that he wanted to write a scene where everyone's lulled to sleep yeah and and then like they're trying to workshop it and they say okay well I don't know how we can get everyone to fall asleep, but let's start out with everyone asleep. And so like yeah. play like you're asleep. And then that was like, hilarious. Kind of this, yeah. This, this funny scene where everyone instantly, you know, it's a, it's a room full of actors, you know, and, uh, ham hams it up. Yeah. 
and then and then they're that's all you're shown you're never shown like and there's never a scene in the movie where that happens where they actually all fall asleep and so yeah i mean it's probably um symbolic of of yeah like we're all kind of in a dreamlike state going through life like it all doesn't make a lot of sense we don't know how we got here but you can't you can't wake up until you like kind of give in to what's happening you know mm-hmm. i don't know there there might be some like buddhist undertones to that but yeah i think i i think the more telling for me uh moment was that jason schwartzman jason monologue. schwartzman coming out and saying yeah. like am i am i playing this right am i playing them right and uh for sure and yeah my favorite actually going back to that like uh the workshop moment that has one of my favorite visual jokes in the whole movie and there's there's one of these things where it's like the best part of wes anderson movie is like the dry humor and like the tiny tiny moments there's not a lot of like actual jokes or, or stuff that's really meant to be played for big laughs but there's a lot of like nice little tiny moments but the one that just got me was they're in this this workshop and it it like zooms in on um who's a is it edward norton and um and um oh yeah willem dafoe yeah and the the whole time uh brian cranston is playing the narrator and he's he's like just literally a carbon copy of like rod serling introducing the twilight zone and so it's like zooming in on them and i think they're talking and then and then brian cranston leans into frame suddenly just from am i not in this from the he's like is (laughs) which is such a funny visual because like it's literally his his role is to stand straight and appear as like the narrator and introducer and then just the the visual joke of him interjecting himself into the scene yeah is just got me i i love little visual jokes like that yeah it's it's um so so upon you know like upon review of that whole thing um do you where does your where does your score fall again <clears throat> would you bump it up or at all do you do you enjoy it more now that we've kind of like gone over it or uh no it still that happens I'd, to me no I'd still give it a seven like it's hmm. it's good it's not it's not like eight and nine feel like it's like with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of my favorite movies now, you know. Mm. And... It's not one of my favorite movies. Which is your it's, favorite it's Wes Anderson one specifically? Um, probably, probably uh, the Life Aquatic. Mm. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily his best movie. That's just my favorite. 
Like, yeah, I love you, I love Bill Murray and like the stuff that happens in that and the soundtrack and and like it's it's probably one of the best formats for Wes Anderson. And he kind of he he duplicates it in in movies after like the the actual you know kind of stage look of compartmentalized rooms you know yeah uh but i think probably his his best movie is probably the the grand budapest Budapest. hotel that i really like grand budapest but i i think moonrise kingdom is uh is much more my uh my cup of tea although can't forget about rushmore like rushmore is fucking great like the uh like the uh all of the angsty fucking undertones of rushmore are so great like and uh and jason schwartzman just really put jason schwartzman on the map with that one as like the like the fucking cool guy who's not cool at all like it might be the start of that you know like so cool but like not at all um yeah yeah, i I mean they're all i mean it's pretty good they're all pretty great i mean even (laughs) bottle rocket's pretty great i haven't seen that forever but remember luke wilson what happened to luke wilson i love luke wilson oh i'll tell you what happened to luke wilson uh he's in a uh in an hbo show that i i watched pretty much the whole way through let's see here um it's something about mars luke wilson i think he made it um think he was the uh the driving force behind that oh fired on mars fired on mars have you watched that i think i watched the first episode maybe it's i don't pretty know great. i didn't get into it huh, i mean it looked good and it looked it it looked cool but I, it's not my cup of tea i really uh I, I, you know i i really enjoy a lot of what uh what luke wilson uh has done i think he's uh kind of underrated uh especially Compared to Owen, like I take Luke any day of the week, right? Um, anyway, no, uh, he's great, and he's great in like little bit parts too, you know. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, like, don't sleep on Vacancy. Like, great horror movie with Luke Wilson in it. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Anywho, um, so there it is, our review of Asteroid City. You know what time it is now, Bryce? Do you know what time? What time is it? Well, is it's it time 50, to get ill? It's 9.52, which means it's time for horror movie... Whore. 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 What's the name of this bit? I can't remember. Um. So this is a little bit called horror movie whores where we take your calls if you just call us at uh, at our number uh you know we have a uh, bat phone in our bat cave um surrounded by bats uh, mm-hmm. and the number mm-hmm. for it is mm-hmm. 682-253-4468 wow i forgot it for a minute there that's uh wow rare miss no but it was i got it right it just uh it just left me all of a sudden um so here we go. Uh, we we take your calls, and the first one it looks like it's uh, it's Eddie from Maryland. Does that sound right? Sure. Okay, let's go. Hey, Dickweeds, it's Eddie from Maryland. I was just calling to not take credit for the Peach Fuzz mask. Um, oh. 
there was some confusion on my last one of my voicemails recently. Um, but I did send you from Creep to um, there. If you remember, they're like playing pool or something. Uh, the dude and the, and the girl, and there's a poster of that castle in autumn or fall or something like that. Um, it's called like the New New Schwanstein Castle or some shit. It's German maybe. Um, anyway, I just thought it was cool, and that's what I sent you for Christmas last year. So um, I'm sorry if it was unmarked. I just thought it was neat. Um, also, I wanted to ask you if you guys dug Joe Bob Briggs from Shudder. Well, not from Shudder, but like Monster Vision and all that stuff from back in the day. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, you guys have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Well, there you go. Thanks for clearing that up, Eddie. I'm I'm now not confused at all um so <laughs> bryce do you do you watch uh or ha did you when in back 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 in the day did you ever watch uh joe bob briggs no but apparently he's beloved among horror fans yeah yeah I, my mom used to watch him um some which is strange to me really uh, it goes that back that far yeah i believe so uh joe bob Briggs, um, is it just like midnight movie show? Basically, like that's the sense I got. Like he he yeah. just kind of hosts Elvira style uh, a screening of a yeah B movie. So here we go. Here for those of you who are uh, as dumb as me, uh, an American syndicated film critic, writer, actor, and comic performer. He's known for having hosted Joe Bob's Drive-In Theater on the movie channel from, on TMC from 86 to 96, spanning two decades. Uh, the TNT television 86 series... 86 to 96 would be one decade. No, that's spanning two decades. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, thank you for the correction. Spans, you're right, you're right. I know I'm right. Uh, and also the TNT television series Monster Vision from 96 to 2000, spanning another two decades. Okay. Um, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs on Shudder. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, wow. Really, uh, really cranking it out for a long time. Um, anyway, he's got a, he's, yeah, he's got a uh, big titty goth girl with him uh, now on Shudder. Uh, Shudder. Well, no now longer. I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Uh, he's a he's a guy. He likes horror movies. There you go. Cool. Next that, caller. Same with. Hey, it's Robert. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Carter. Um, I just wanted to call in. I had two things to tell you guys. So, the first the dogs. thing was I was listening to an old podcast, an old afterpod, and um, you guys played some clips from "They're All Gonna Laugh at You" by Adam Sandler, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorites. And I really like that, so just suggesting you – I'm just saying you guys should do that again, especially medium-based, which is super <laughs> funny. And um, the other reason I called was because I was thinking about movies that David might be okay with. He's calling from a kennel. From the dog pound. <laughs> Robert the Farter <laughs> is actually inside of a, a cage right now. Hey, guys, I kennel. really like Adam Sandler. Bark, bark. <laughs> because he's seen them many times or he really likes them and they are like chill enough to be kind of kids movies but 
they're also at the same time horror. So I was thinking uh, Beetlejuice and Ghostbusters mainly, and I was just thinking you guys should just, I mean, those would be good ones that David probably knows well enough that oh, yeah. he could see them. Uh, so anyways, that's Robert the Farter, and uh, see you guys later. It's Robert the Farter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's been holding it in for a while. Wow. Bringing it in with that one. All of the dogs are forgiven. Yeah, no. Beetlejuice is, I mean, maybe the best movie ever made. That's a a fucking great movie. Um, And I don't have anything against Ghostbusters. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely watch those. Um, So... Yeah, good uh, good thinking there. Also, Adam Sandler, obviously, if you're not if you've been sleeping for some reason for like 30 or so years on, you know, Adam Sandler's first couple of albums. Yeah, treat yourself. Treat yourself. That's a that's a trip back to middle school. So, have fun with that. Hi, this is Sam from Indianapolis. I'm listening to your Five Nights at Fred, I mean, Willie's Wonderland episode. And uh, David's talking about Brazil nuts and his grandma having a funny word for him. Mm. My my grandpa, he has the same word, and that's how I learned that word, and I did not know that that word was a bad word until I asked my grandpa what it meant by name. And then I learned that he was extremely racist. But I was like five, so I didn't get it until much later in life. And I looked back and I was like, oh, my. But, yeah, <laughs> Brazil nuts. That is a silly name they have for it. Yeah, what? Okay, I want to know the percentage of uh, old millennial kids that <laughs> learned the N-word from, a from nut. Brazil nuts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> from their grandma eating Brazil nuts. It's fucking terrible, and I don't condone it. But it is interesting that uh, that a nut could key you into your ancestors' racism um, more than anything else. But I've I mean, my my grandma would call him that, but she used you know she didn't use a hard R, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it okay? Mm. Mm. I don't know. Well, thanks, Sam. Hey, guys. Hello, Elizabeth. Long time missy. It's been a bit. Um, really enjoyed the last episode. I forget what it was. It was like ghosts or something. Anyway, I want to know if you guys believe in ghosts, because I thought that you would mention it or talk about it, but I don't recall it being on the episode. So I want to know if you guys believe in ghosts. Also, this is just a PSA for Halloween fans. You can come after me if you want. We get it. Okay. We understand that you think it's the greatest thing since life bread, but please. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean that, you know, you need to come after me. Um, this is personal. I'm sorry. Please. We get it. Okay. Um, but yeah, ghosts. You guys believe in ghosts. Also, if you haven't played the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game, y'all should because it's a ton of fun. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> probably, she might be talking about Shudder, that there's ghosts in Shudder. Mm. And I thought I made it pretty clear <laughs> from the game. You don't believe in ghosts. Yeah, I don't believe in ghosts anymore. Yeah, I think I believe in ghosts. Um, probably not 
the stereotypical ghosts, but uh, I I definitely believe that there is stuff out there that we don't know that it exists right now and have no way to know that it exists right now. And, you know, pro- pr- probably, I mean, you know, in the right. 50s, you know, in the 50s, we were fucking sure we knew everything. And then in the 60s, we were also sure we knew everything. And in the 70s, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And yeah, learning what we don't know all the time. And so, yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, I think it comes down to like the last straw for me was when I actually went on a, you know, what was it like a ghost tour of Portland? Or it was like an underground thing where yeah, it was but- like, oh, the type of people where they like get these psychic experiences or whatever and these groups or feel the presence of stuff it's like oh they're just attention horse you know they're well, just yeah but you're basing your belief of whether or not something exists on the people who are willing to exploit the fact that that thing is you know impossible I mean, I've, to know i've heard like really cool stories from people like um i don't know it's 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 never happened to me, and there's not someone that's wanted it to happen to them more, you know. And uh, yeah, but I mean, I've never, I've never found an asteroid on the ground, but I know it happens, you know. I, I and or, you know, and and then all of the things that don't happen to me that uh-huh. exist, there's fuck a billion, you know. Like, it doesn't mean it's not real. It's just right. means it's like. It's not relevant to Bryce's life is what he's saying to you mm. right now. I, mean, I think he I, I want to believe. I would love I would love to stay in a hotel and see a ghostly figure walk across the hallway. Um and I just don't think that's ever going to happen. But what if it's not that? You know, what if it's not the thing that is portrayed normally? You know, what if it's a a different thing, you know? Like what? I, I don't know something something that's not necessarily spooky or or something like that. Maybe it's just maybe it's just something you know a life form or like uh, or like in a, a, the next stage of consciousness following life that we can't detect but is real on a on a plane that we can't find or you know, but but kind of occasionally crosses into this one. We just I don't know. Well, I would be interested in seeing in experiencing that crossover and having some kind of, you know, registration of my senses to acknowledge it. But it's never happened. Well, so. you got to go. You can't sit in your in you know you can't sit in your office and wait for it. You have to go out and look for it. You got to uh, become a ghost hunter. Right. You have to hunt for the ghosts, Bryce. Okay. Are you gonna hunt for the ghosts? I've been in places that were said to be haunted, and uh, yeah, nothing. Well, there you go. I'm very excited for this next call. Okay, very excited. Haven't heard from. Hi, it's Beyond the Grave. I haven't called in a long time, but um, I just watched Willie's Wonderland, and I feel. I feel there was a peak in that movie, and for me, it was the excitement of him getting everything cleaned up. I thought that would be more 
part of the premise because I was like, oh, you know what sounds exciting and is really exhilarating for me? Cleaning some gross mess and then it looking immaculate later. When he was wiping off all that dust and grease off shit, I needed that montage. Speaking but language. I think what I'd be interested in for a sequel or in the future, more home renovation horror where we're seeing things go bad to good, but, like, let's say it's, like, a possession story, but the whole time the the demons or the ghosts or whatever are just working to pull one over on these humans, and they'll kill them after they've done cleaning the house. Like a, like a Beetlejuice, but instead of, like, oh, we need to drive these people out, they just sit down, they're chill for a little bit, everyone comes in, wipey, wipey, scrub, get all the grout cleaned out and stuff, and then the ghosts say, okay, this house is clean. <laughs> Let's start getting rid of these uh, these tenants. <sighs> well, have a, have a good Labor Day. Man, yeah, I, like I mean, like these ghosts have lived in these houses for hundreds of years, and they're just hanging out not like reaching up and getting those cobwebs it's like you know if you got time to lean you got time to clean ghosts lean to clean yeah um you know i mean it's it's very possible your priorities change when you shift uh, forms of existence you know like yeah could be that you don't even like experience reality in in, in the same huh what if what if we're ghosts that like shift into other planes of existence for other people and we're like you know when when our emotions run really hot uh-huh then that's like the moment that'll force our frequency up into like another plane of existence and be like a ghostly apparition for someone right. else so it's like when you're ye like yelling like into the taco bell drive through thing uh -huh. and they can't hear you like the fucking I wanted the fucking Chipotle fries! And they're like, oh shit! You know, like a ghost is coming through and he wants Chipotle fries! I don't know, maybe that's a thing. Just speculating. That's... There's, there's like an alternate dimension where they're like, yeah, this, this house is haunted by a presence that sometimes appears speaking into a microphone complaining about uh, corporate movies. <laughs> wow it's terrifying <laughs> oh a movie reviewer from another dimension no <laughs> we don't need any more of those he must uh, have some unsettled movie reviews he needs to yeah i hear he stopped of. reviewing these and now he's just a fucking fucking dick um <laughs> Uh, okay, that's it. I'm calling it. You guys, we, we only got two more. Let's just do. Let's just run no, it out. I don't want to go over time here. I really don't want to. So we're, we're saving the time. next two for another time. I hope you guys have a great week. We love you, and uh, you know, uh, help us out by joining our Patreon and uh, getting all the good stuff over there. And uh, and we love you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. You lose. Is that me? I just the scraggly wood. He had no face. Horror.
didn't sound good. 